0: Welcome! Thank you everyone everyone, for joining us. This is Parsha on Thursday nights on SinaiRadio.com and the Sinai Radio app. I'm Ali Moshe Teichman, and this is Parsha's Vayikra. So before we start, um, I'm sure everyone around uh, the world knows about uh, what's going on, the the coronavirus. And uh, we'd like to dedicate... I would like to dedicate tonight's share to someone, a relative of mine, who unfortunately is in the hospital, who needs a, a refuah shlema. Um, Rav Arezav Ben, Idol, ben Edel, um is a relative of mine, and we, we, we hope he has a quick, quick refuah shlema. Okay, let's jump right into it. So, um, now, mincha. Mincha means an offering. Now, it also means the afternoon prayers. Or the prayer that we make in the afternoon. Um, it's also the second prayer of the day, second tefillah of the day, tfila's mincha. <coughs> or technically speaking, it's really the third tefillah of the day. Because we have Meyer first, then Shachris, then mincha. Okay, so it's interesting um, why it gets? Why is mincha called mincha? Because we know mincha is an offering. The carbon mincha was very different than our tefilis mincha. Wait, is it? Is it different than our tefilis mincha? Well, let's talk about the carbon mincha. So this week's parashim, we talk about the carbon mincha. And the mincha was brought in a few different ways. Um, and the mafarshim explained why it was mincha differently. It was brought with like, flour or different um, cheap ingredients. The explain explained that the mincha was brought in this way. To allow people who are not wealthy, people who cannot afford it, to allow them the opportunity to bring a carbon, because it being that many times there is someone who doesn't have the money um, to to afford an ox, to afford a bull, or to afford any other type of animal, so for them the easiest way out is the easiest way to bring a carbon. Ta'achadus Baruch is through a carbon mincha. Now. It's just interesting to note that it's called mincha. Now, I have absolutely no proof to this, but it sounds interesting that we call our karbonos, we call our tefillah that we say in the afternoon tefillah's mincha. (coughs) Um, When really every offering, every karbonos was technically called a mincha. Um, So what's going on? What's the connection? so um, just quickly one second let me find it okay so I saw in the Shulchan Aruch is super important now if I ask you what's the most important tefillah of the day now I'm sure you're thinking Shachas we say it's the most lengthliest tefillah it's our introduction to our day we say we say before we start davening we, we, uh, we wash our hands. Nathiel said, Dime for the day. You're really supposed to wash your hands. Every time you go to tefillah, two weeks ago, we spoke about that. Um, so chakras would sound, we wear, we wear, we wear, our minog is to wear tefillin during chakras. <clears throat> so, whereas we don't wear it the rest of the day. So why, so chakras sounds like it's the most important tefillah. Now it's interesting to note the, the halachas for him talk about the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Hashem, mincha is the most important tefillah. Why? What's so special about Mincha? If anything, it's the shortest Mincha. It's the shortest Tefillah. Now, why is it so short? That's the next question. It seems almost weird that the that one Tefillah, the morning Tefillah, is so long. Second one is, is short, and then the last one's you know the second it's not short, it's not long. You know, there's no Chazars Hashatz, but at the same time, it's it's still there's more to say. So what's going on over here? Why in the afternoon? So the, the Svarim talk, the, the talk about the idea that in the morning when you wake up, before you start your day, the first thing you do is daven. You recognize Hashem runs and exists and is in the world. <laughs> and then let's, let's skip Mincha for a second. The night time, your day is over. Right? You're home. Most people are, most professions at the time the night is off. I say most. I know there are people who work at night. But when the time is day is over, they go up and they have their you know their maariv. It's over before I go to sleep. I have my maariv. It's the way I end my day with the maariv. Well, in the in the summer, in the win- in the winter, some people daven maariv earlier, but end my day with the maariv. You know, until a few weeks ago, I had my chavruta at night, and then I had the maariv, then I would come home, and then the day would be over, go to sleep. Um, mincha is smack in the middle of our day. Nobody wants to daven mincha. I, I, I mean, obviously people want to daven. But you're busy. Now, I, I once was in a, um, a few years ago. Now, I've always been either, you know, a rabbi or a rebbe. And I always had a position where mincha was done in, in my job. You know, during, during school or, after, or before I started my afternoon classes, there's mincha. So it was never a hard thing for me. But imagine someone working in an office. And he has to stop his day, take his lunch break and go, or lunch break or, you know, a little bit later than that, and go daven mincha. So I was once meeting with a fellow who we were looking, this is many years ago, looking to start a program in, in someplace upstate New York. And I met him in his big office building. And uh, he stops. Um, and he says, oh, Rabbi, did you daven mincha? I'm like, no, I'm gonna, when I'm going to daven mincha in, you know, in New York, when I go back, back Queens. He goes, oh, we're having a minyan right here in the office. Really? She goes out to office and there's a whole bunch of guys together. They all come from their jobs and they stop in the day. In the middle of the day, you're stopping everything you're doing. You're pausing. You're taking a button and you're push, pushing the pause button. I know for my children, they're in the middle of playing. When they're in the middle of a game, it is impossible to, to focus them. You know, they're in the middle of a game. Adults are the same way. When we're in the middle of our day when we have tasks to accomplish and we're in the middle of trying to be productive. And also we have to stop our day and go down with Mincha, that is precious to Hashem. It's more than just, okay, when I start my day, I'll end my day with Mincha and maariv. It's, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing and dedicate it to you because my life is dedicated to you. It's a realization that I'm not working. Work is not my life. My job is not my life. It's something I do to bring Parnassah to my family. Now, I heard a story from a uh, rabbi. He said that he was asking a whole bunch of guys, "What do you What do you want to do with your life? What's the meaning of your life, or what do you or What do you want to do with your life?" And so, and one of the guys answers, "No, I want to be a dentist." So he was joking. He said, "He said, oh, so on, you know, you're your, on your tombstone. It's going to be a big tooth." You know, it says, "Oh, he cleaned a hundred thousand mouths. They're not going to say that by Leviah. Who do you want to be?" is more than just what your profession is. That's exactly what mincha is. It takes us a day to stop, realize that we're here for a purpose. I. we need to work, we need to support our families. Our job is not our lives. It's, it's something we do to bring partners to our family. It's something we do to help our, get through into this world that we need money to live. It's our status. It's our necessary steps that we need to take so Hashem could shower bracha on us. So Hashem could give us stuff. But it's not our lives. So stopping mincha, I, I was So I wanted to connect that to the carbon mincha, To this idea, no matter, if somebody who wants to bring a carbon, no matter, he doesn't have a, an animal. He can't afford it. But he wants to bring whatever he can because he understands that whatever he can whatever he needs he wants to bring whatever he has it's a little bit of of kemach flour mixed with oil that's what I can bring that's what I'm going to bring and Hashem will accept it because Hashem loves his karbanos from everyone not just people who, who have the time to do it same way he loves the mincha davening, the tefillah that often gets overlooked but if we take our we take our step and we stop in our day um, it's it's it can almost change. Um, okay, that's the carbon mincha. Now, if you look on later on in our parsha, it talks about salt. Now, <coughs> the secret ingredient to any good food, in my opinion, is salt. Now, I once wanted to try going on a saltless diet. Now it lasted just as long as my, my my sugarless diet, about ten seconds. It didn't work. Uh, automatically reached for it. Now, obviously, not too much salt, just enough to make it taste good. Salt flavors the food. They say in the times of, um, interesting. They say that, that the. Um, I am also a history teacher, and I read somewhere. I don't know if this is has any val- valid uh to it. The reason why the Silk Road was so, hundreds of years ago, the way the Silk Road was so needed was because in China they had all these spices. And this is before before people started using salt um, or sugar. And these spices like cinnamon and cardamom and all these interesting spices, anise, gave such a flavor to the food that they never had before. Until then, the food was always very bland. Um, and uh, it, it was, uh, you know, f- it, it, it spiced up the food. That's why it was so popular people who had money wanted to spend on it. You know, people don't want to eat bland food. Food, take flour, water, you bake it, you have a nice pizza. But if you take a piece of chicken and cook it, it doesn't taste like anything. Until you add salt and then the beauty of the food comes out. Salt, now, enough about food, I'm making myself hungry. <coughs> but why would, would salt have anything to do with our Parsha? Well, if you look in this week's Parsha, and just... Talk right after the carbon minchas, all sudden it says in Pasuk, Yod Gimel, and Peric Base and Vayikra, it says um looking at the wrong Pasuk. Here we go. It says Karban Mincha Now the the, the um, Chazal learns out that this doesn't mean just the carbon mincha. It also means any carbon. You shall put salt on it. And you shall not discontinue the usage of salt on Hashem's carbonos. And in every carbon, you should bring salt. Very interesting. The Torah is very strict on this idea of salt. Now the should ring down. A medrash that talks about the idea, <coughs> um, sorry, um, that the earthly waters were very upset that the heavenly waters, when Hashem split them, right? He split the waters up up top below. The heavenly waters were not close. That we were not, the earthly waters were not close to Hashem. To comfort them, says the Medrash, Hashem made a bris, with, uh, a covenant with the water, would have a share in the temple service. For salt comes from seawater, right? Uh, if you dry out, you have salt water it comes from the sea. And also, water is poured on the altar every sukkah, on the mizbech every sukkah. It's interesting. Um, there's another explanation that Ramban brings that the reason for salt, he says, that it's not nice to bring food to the king's table without salt. That it's not proper. And I heard an explanation to explain what this is talking about, that when you give something to somebody, to Hashem, when you serve him food, you can't serve him something that you yourself don't like. I, but who cares? Hashem's not eating it. He's not eating the food. He's not tasting it necessarily. Hashem doesn't have a mouth. So what's going on over here? Why does it need to all, all of a sudden be tasty? If Hashem's not, I give him the carbon. You know, it's, it's the answer is as follows. When you serve HaKadosh Baruch when you serve Hashem and you yourself think what you're doing is disgusting or not good, then it doesn't mean anything. Ah, but what does Hashem care? But He does care. Because it doesn't mean something for you. Does it mean something to you or not? Is this something that you would eat or not? No. I salt my food. I make it taste good before I eat it. Ah! So why are you serving it to Hashem without it? What's going on? Of course Hashem doesn't need it. But if it doesn't mean anything to you, then how is it going to help you get closer to Him? We don't bring karbanos, we don't do mitzvos just because, only because, just to give something, to do something, we do it properly, we do it right. We do it to, for a meaning for us. To help us grow closer to Hashem. And if it's not going to help us grow closer to Hashem, then what is the point? Well, obviously, obviously, don't get me wrong. If you're not doing it properly, you're still doing it. It's good. I'm talking about if you really want to get the most out of a mitzvah. It says, Hashem, when you bring a carbun, I want you to bring a carbun that means something to you. I want you to put salt on it we see a similar idea by the story of Cain and Hevel, the famous story of Cain and Hevel. Now we all know, Cain goes and brings a karban to Hashem, an offering to Hashem, mincha Hashem. And his brother Hevel also brings mincha to Hashem. But if you look at the way the Pasukim describe their offerings, you'll see a discrepancy in the description of how did he describe? Let's go to Bara'isus all the way back. You no, know, if we're starting by Yikra, we're starting to say Yikra. Let's do Chazara. Let's do review and look back at Bara'isus. Okay, here we go. Bara'isus in the beginning. Okay, so Chayin, so what does it say by Cain? It says Cain brought a offering to Hashem of the fruit of the ground, which is brought wheat. The Rashi says he brought flax which is not worth a lot. And as for Hevel, he brought the first of his flock and from the best of his flock. So all the Mepharshim will learn out from the fact that the Torah specifically says that Hevel brought the best. Cain didn't bring the best. And we know the way the story goes, that Cain um, went and unfortunately killed, killed Hevel because he was angry with him. And Asher, gets punished and so on and so forth. I have a Kasha. I have a good question. And I was always bothered by this question. Now, if you look at the history of the Torah, that's in the Torah, who was the first person created? Adam. And then Chava. And then I'm assuming Kayan. Right? Cain was the third person created in this world. And then Hevel. Did he have a connection to Hashem? Yes, Hashem talked to him. Even after he killed his brother, Hashem still spoke to him. He was on a very highly lofty spiritual level. He wasn't just some Joe Smo off the street who had anger problems. So the question you have to ask is what in the world is Kain thinking? Hevel goes, it says he wants to bring an offering to Hashem. He wants to show his gratitude to Hashem, the creator of this world. And he goes and he gets the best animal, the best that he has of his flock. He takes it, brings it to the What does Cain do? You know, Cain goes. You know, it almost reminds me, there's an old, you know, when I grew up, there were a bunch of kids tape. And uh, one of them was called Kivi and Tuki. Um, and it's about, you know, it's, it's an interesting plot. It's about this uh, guy, Yasi, and he, you know, he, he adopts these two alien brothers who come to the world as Kivi and Tuki, and they go to school, and they have funny voices and everything. There's one song that my kids walk around singing all the time. It's uh, it basically, it's talking about wh- how you should behave, and says you should go to shul, you should go to school. And then one line, you know, Tuki, he's always a troublemaker, he sings a song, he says, I don't want to go to shul, I don't want to go to school every day, right? I don't want to be like Kiwi, I just want to watch my TV, right? That's one of the lines that he says, and then he says, no, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. It's almost like Kain is doing that, specifically trying to go against the norm. Your brother's going to go bring the choice, that, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You didn't know that if you bring a carbon to you should, if you ask any child, okay, You want to show thank you to somebody. What should you bring? The best or the worst? The best. So what's going on? Why is Kayan going against natural way of serving Hashem? Bring the best. What are you doing? You know you have you have a you have a you have a daughter and you have a guy coming to date your daughter. You put the best food on the table. You find some good cookies, fancy cookies. You know, someone once told me their parents had a box of cookies that was called the dating cookies. Very, they, but unfortunately they got a little uh, moldy and they forgot about and they put it on the table once and the guy actually ate one and they were very stale. So, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the, you put the you put the good stuff out. You know, my father had a bottle. My father, Oluf Shalom, had a bottle of whiskey. He called it the good stuff. You know, he said, only bring out the, you know, when a, when a chush of a guest, was visiting, he brought the good stuff. What is kind thinking? And I think that this falls into the same idea of the the lesson of assault. The Kliyukar seems to say, seems to be um, that it wasn't just not bringing the best. It was a philosophical problem. Chayin was very focused on this world. It says, Chayin oheva sadama. He loved the land. He was very focused on this world, Olam Hazet. And therefore, he, he coveted money and property more than Hevel did. So when it came to giving a carbon to Hashem, of course I'm going to bring a carbon to Hashem. Who cares what I bring to Hashem? I'll bring him to anything. I have some flax, let's give him that. Hashem doesn't care, Right? I don't want to give him the best. So too, you know, uh, ha, sorry, on the opposite side, Hevel, was like, no, I don't care about this world. I care about what's waiting to be next. world. This world is just to, that's what I'm here for. This world is created like a quarter. The next world is where everything is. So therefore, of course I don't care about giving my money. I don't give anything to Hashem. This world means nothing. And if, I, and if it shows respect and cover to Hashem, I will do the best there is, the best possible. And it's the same lesson of this lesson of the salt that Hashem is teaching us. The Rambam tells us about. The Ramban tells us about. That when you bring a karbon, it needs to be something that's choiciest for you. It needs to be something that's good for you. Something that's special to you. And I'm almost embarrassed to tell this story, but I'll tell it anyways, because I think it, it shows, you know, my Rebbe taught me a good lesson when I was younger. I was younger, I was like 19. I was in Yeshiva just Yisrael. And that year, the one year I was away in Israel, my Giants, my New York City Giants, made it to the Super Bowl. Now I remember as a kid when they played Baltimore and they lost. I was crying like a little baby. And this is my chance. They're in the Super Bowl versus the Patriots. And I'm like, okay, they're going to win. This is This is awesome. And I'm super happy and ready. And then what happens? I realize, hey, I'm in Israel. It's not at 6.30 at night. It's not at 8 o'clock at night. The Super Bowl is at like 2 in the morning. It's like perfect. I don't even have to miss Seder. I don't have to miss learning time. Then it dawned upon me that, hey, I'm going to be exhausted. I'm probably not going to go to Seder the next day. So with a heavy heart, I went over to one of my Urbain. His name was Rabbi Goldman. He's now in a yeshiva in St. Louis. It's a big time. And I I told him my thing. He said, listen, I can't tell you not to go. He said, first of all, where are you planning on watching it? So I said, well, I have a friend in his yeshiva uh, for kids who are who, who are, you know, uh a little, need a little bit more attention. And they're they're they are they they do not want the kids to go to bars, so they're showing it in in the yeshiva with no with no halftime show. So it's okay, that, that's a kosher place. So I said to him. Well, he said, but I want to let you know that if you go, you're going to miss the next day. And every day of Torah is very important. Ah, oh, that was a hard decision. And that night, 10 o'clock at night, I looked at my friend and he said, you know what? I'm not going to go. I'm going to go to sleep to learn the next day. But you know what? I'm going to get up tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock and I'm going to take a bus and I'm going to go to the Koso. And we'll go dive in there. And hopefully Hashem sees, you know, how hard it is for me. And it's sad to say it was hard for me. It was very hard for me. I wanted to watch this game so badly. You know, at the time when I was 19, it meant, it meant a lot to me. Baruch Hashem doesn't mean that much to me anymore. But it meant a lot to me back then. And I went to the Coastal. And, I, and it almost felt as if I was, you know, on the way to the Coastal, I called my brother who was just finishing the game in New York. Um, and he was like screaming, yeah, we won, we won. So like, I did a little dance in the middle of the street. I'm sure all this Chayredim rushing to Vasikim, and were looking at me like, what is this guy doing dancing in the streets? You know, if it was Svat svas, it would be normal for people to do that. But it was yushalayim. It's not as normal for people to start dancing like that. But, um, but either way, we went to the Kosal, and I felt as if I was like sort of bringing my karbon. Like I did something. And I did it for Torah. And I, and I feel that's the same lesson that we got here. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard to do something. It's hard to give up something. It's hard to try our hardest. You know, but we do it. We do it for Hashem. And it shows Hashem that we really care. You know, uh, I didn't want to make tonight's share about this, but we all know about coronavirus and its impact on the world. And a lot of us are stuck home. You know, I'm doing all my, my teaching via, via Zoom. Um, and... Uh, it's, it's difficult, but I think we have to take it as a lesson. Hey, hey, what can I do better? What can I do better? What can I do with my own life that I can show Hashem, listen, look, look, you kept me home. I don't have to feel, I don't have me to listen. I, I'm saying Kaddish for my father, and I haven't said Kaddish for two weeks. The shuls in my neighborhood closed down two weeks ago. And it's hard. It's super, super difficult not to be able to say Kaddish for my father. But as a Rebbe of mine said on the phone, he said, when I spoke to him, he said, So do something else. Make another commitment. Try to dive in harder. Try to learn more. Try to do some mitzvah. more. And I took upon a few things with Hashem's help. It will help me grow. That's what Hashem wants for us. Show him that you care. And hopefully with that, you know, with uh, you know, giving up our, our time, like the carbon, like the carbon like mincha, like our mincha tfila. Giving up our middle of the day, stopping and stopping our day of mincha. Also doing it the right way. Making it count, like the salt on the on the on the base, the, the, uh, the salt on the karbanos. We should see the huula of Meheri v'menu. Amen. Thank you for joining us again. This is. This is partial on Thursday night on Sunday Radio, SundayRadio.com and the Sinai Radio app. If you haven't gotten the Sunday Radio app yet, you should. It's a great app. Um, you can listen to the music and, you know, all the, the podcasts are there. The, the copy of this share will be on it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's everyone has a little bit more free time. Some great shows and some great uh, share on it. Um, it's very worthwhile. Okay. I may so say I may say, say so myself, especially that partial share. Uh, have a great night, guys. And a great Shabbos.